Today's Ring Around NBA show is brought to you by MSX by Michael Strahan. Raise your game with MSX by Michael Strahan. Athletic-inspired functional pieces designed for guys who are always on the go. Available exclusively at JCPenney. From working out, playing golf, lounging around the house, hooping with your friends, MSX by Michael Strahan has you covered. MSX includes MSX Basics. Pants, shorts, shirts, sweatshirts, and outerwear. Big and tall and boy sizes, too. MSX by Michael Strahan is available exclusively at JCPenney. Visit a store near you or go to jcp.com. And now it's time for the Ringer NBA Show. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. This is The Corner 3. My name's Kevin O'Connor, and joining me on the line from Dallas, Texas, it's Ringer staff writer Jonathan Charks. I'm excited, man. Free agency eve is here. We've been waiting all year for this. Let's make some super teams. You know, it feels a little weird that it's technically starting on June 30th now. I'm so used to saying July 1st, but it's actually June 30th. It's, what is it? 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific when, when free agency actually begins. So no more I July mean, be- 1st. It began like June 30th, 2016, right? These things never really end or begin. It's always one big continuum. It it sure feels like free agency has started since before the draft um, with all the rumors about where certain guys are going to go, where certain uh, players are drawing interest, offers with Al Horford maybe um, being out there. But we're going to get clarity over the coming days. For this pod, we'll use the Lakers as a springboard uh, to discuss most of free agency since they're involved with so many of the star players. And yesterday, they made a trade to open up a lot of cap space. They can get near max cap space now after trading Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, Jamario Jones to the Washington Wizards with a 2022 second round draft pick. Um, So... Anthony Davis also waived his trade kicker, and now the Lakers charts are $681,000 short of being able to offer a max contract to any of the top guys, such as Kawhi and Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, and so on and so forth. Um, with this team here, the discussion over the past week or so has been, are they better off signing one max guy? Are they better off signing uh, a bunch of guys at lower annual salaries, like six to $8 million range? Charks, what should the Lakers be doing here? Are they Should they go for the big swing for a max guy? I mean, first off, pouring out from Mo Wagner, right? Your guy. Yeah. Uh, He's yeah. out in D.C., man. You know what? The Wizards... Cold world out there. The, the Wizards worked out Mo twice last year. Uh, they wanted him. They liked him. Oh, so we'll get minutes probably. It, 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 it could work out for Mo. He's going to be a, a. I mean, that's a really the main fire. story here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in terms of like the one max versus breaking it up, like if you can get Kawhi Leonard, is it really a discussion? Like if that's out there, that has to be the thing to do. Obviously, to me, like it, like the whole discussion of like, should they should they sign a, a bunch of guys instead of a max guy? It's like no, of course not. Of course not. They should clearly be going for Kawhi Leonard here, and 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 to me, like. He would be my number one target. I know that's sort of a captain obvious thing to say, but there is some logic people have to pursuing a Kyrie Irving instead of a Kawhi Leonard. But when you think about Kawhi, for him, if he were to decide to go to the Lakers, and we'll see, Stephen A. Smith reported this morning, among others, that Kawhi will strongly consider the Lakers. And for Kawhi, it makes a heck of a lot of sense. You were talking about it on our Slack this morning, Charks. I was talking about it, with, talking about it to Ringer staffer Sean Yu the other day. For Kawhi, it's like you already established your legacy as a dynasty slayer, winning two titles, one with the Spurs, one with the Raptors. You've already, your legacy is fine. It's intact. 
but you can go to the Lakers and this can be a, a, a platform for him to increase his legacy as a guy winning two, three more titles. And he's somebody who has admitted himself. He, he was only able to play in the finals because of load management last year. And for the Lakers, having two superstars, there's less pressure on him to carry the load over the full season. And he can comfortably play only 50, 60 games and the team can still produce because of the stars they have. It makes sense for him. I mean, let's stack championships, right? It's interesting because with Durant, when Durant went to Golden State, he had never won anything. So he wins the rings in Golden State and it's like, ah, blah, blah, needs his own team. But like, you're right. Like, Kawhi's already done that. There's nothing to prove anymore. There's nothing to prove. Why not go to the, your hometown city, the big market, big franchise, win rings with LeBron and Anthony Davis. If you want to sell shoes, be the face of the Lakers. On top of that, I think if he goes to LA, he's the guy. Like, right? LeBron and AD are his supporting cast, which is insane. Like, think about it. If you're Kawhi Leonard, I can get my number two option to be LeBron James. My number three option to be Anthony Davis. Like, that's basketball nirvana right there. Are, are like, we sure LeBron would be need? number two option, though? Number two? I, don't, I, don't. I think so. I think LeBron has to say that to Kawhi in this meeting, mm. right? What's, what's LeBron going to say? Kawhi, come here, be my number two option. I don't think so. I, I think LeBron becomes the point guard in that situation, right? LeBron's the point guard. Kawhi's the primary scorer. AD's the big. Of those three guys, who's the best scorer at the end of game situations, right? It's it could arguably LeBron. I don't think we should. You think so over Kawhi? I, 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 I think, think Kawhi's should, a better shooter. I don't think we should sour on him after one. I'm not souring, but wouldn't you say Kawhi's a better one-on-one scorer because he's a better shooter? Sure, um, because he's better so, shooter. But yeah, I don't know. it's 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 like put it this way: it's splitting hairs between those two. It, to me, it's more like like with LeBron and Wade, where those guys had to learn how to coexist. They were both the number one guy. Um, and then over time, LeBron sort of took on that number one role. And maybe that would happen here with Kawhi. But I would think right, I, I'm, I'm skeptical because uh, LeBron's so much older. Uh, re- regardless for Kawhi, it sounds like you think this is the place that he should go. He should go to the Lakers. I mean, I think it makes the most sense. I think Kawhi can go anywhere and be good. Right, he's what? What did KD say? I'm Kevin Durant. He's Kawhi Leonard. Like he's the best player in the world now. It's his league. He can do whatever he wants. Wherever he goes, a title contender. To me, it makes the most sense. But if he goes to the Clippers, that would work too. But I mean, the Lakers are the best team, so why not go there? Well, Chris Haynes did report that Kawhi will meet with the Lakers and the Clippers early next week, and the Raptors are going to be the team that gets the final meeting here. Um, so they're going to get the last say. They're going to be able to make the final uh, last lasting impression for Kawhi. Um, I think the Clippers, we've talked about them as a fit for Kawhi over the course of the season. It makes a lot of sense, especially if they're able to bring in a second star there. Uh, it was rumored that Jimmy Butler could be a guy that they That'll may target. Yeah, and, and that that all, everything we just said about the Lakers being able to support him, minimizing his minutes and his the, the load that he's gonna that's gonna be necessary for him to thrive for the team to thrive Jimmy Butler can sort of do the same thing there with the Clippers with the other guys that they have there as well um particularly a guy like Shea Gildas Alexander some of the younger guys that are getting better over time I think the Clippers have a strong case to make as well but what I keep coming back to if Kawhi leaves Toronto which is a whole different conversation there if Kawhi leaves Fact is, is last summer, just as soon as a year ago before the trade happened, it was he wants to go to the Lakers. Maybe that was before LeBron went there, but I don't think that that should be something that we forget. There's been all this conversation about like nobody knows what Kawhi wants. Nobody knows what Kawhi wants to do. Nobody knows his his priorities. Well, we sort of do know one big thing. A year ago, he wanted to go to Los Angeles. 
And so for him, it's like you went to Toronto and you won a championship and you accomplished everything. To me, like it would sort of be disappointing if he left in the sense that it takes away one contender from the Eastern Conference. It would make it that much more weaker. It would make the East that much more less interesting. Uh, however, like you can understand, like this is what he wanted a year ago. Yeah, and it kind of also if you go back to KD in 2016, do you remember when the Celtics were like, "Oh, Kevin, come to Boston." We don't have a great team, but we've got a pretty good team around you. Like, what kind of pitch is that comparison to come play for the best team and win championships? That's why I feel like the Lakers probably have an edge over the Clippers. As to whether he would stay in Toronto, it's interesting. Like, the team is older. Like, Gasol's old. Lowry's old. And they, they all got probably, one year left in their deals, too. Just one yeah, year they, left. They, they'd have to retool around Kawhi and Siakam. I mean... It probably comes down to like how good does Kawhi think Siakam's going to be? Does he think Siakam could be his number two for the next five years? I don't know. Do you think he can be Siakam? I like Siakam a lot. I'd rather play with LeBron Anthony Davis though. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think for Kawhi, there's also the side of it where a lot of people talked about, you know, could he send a one and one with Toronto? You know, go one more year. And, and you know, ride it out, try to repeat with this core, and then decide next year. It's not like the Clippers would go anywhere. Um, but for Kawhi, a guy that's had the injury issues he's had, there is an element of risk there where if he were to suffer major injury or like he has a similar season like he had with the Spurs where the, the, the quad issue would not go away, maybe teams would be a little bit more hesitant to give him a long-term contract. But with that said, we're also entering an offseason where Klay Thompson it sounds like guaranteed after training the ACL that he's getting the five-year max from the Warriors. Kevin Durant, he's going to get offered the five-year max by Golden State or four years by anybody else, Nets, Knicks, whoever's, whoever is he would actually be interested in would offer that max as well. I think I think every team in the league would offer KD that max if they could. For sure. Yeah. Um, so it's like for Kawhi, it's the type of thing where you have to be thinking, oh, if I send the one-on-one and then I suffer a major injury, which I the odds are slim of that, I'd still get paid. Like, like you have to feel that level of confidence where I don't think that's as much of a concern with him as it may have been because we're seeing it right now. KD and Clay are going to get paid. Yeah, I think so. I think Kawhi's at that level now where he's going to get his money no matter what. It's just a matter of, is this need the stress? Because like the downside of the flexibility of one-on-one is all the stress, all the uncertainty, cannot plan for the next three or four years. I mean, there's something to be said for locking it in and having like some peace of mind and not having a billion questions all year about where you're going to play. I don't know if the Kawhi really wants to deal with that. And I think there wasn't much of a circus around him this year because it was all about KD. But next year, if he signs a one-on-one, it's the biggest story in the NBA the entire season is where does he play next. I'm not sure he wants to deal with that all the time. And speaking about Kevin Durant, it has been that all year. Like you said, where is KD going to go? And it started out beginning of the season, all Knicks. Everybody was reporting that it was the Knicks. And then over the course of the year, it's like, maybe it'll stay with Golden State. And now it's suddenly become, is it the Brooklyn Nets? And so for him, obviously his ruptured Achilles changes everything for his future. But the destinations and, and the potential places he could go has remained unchanged. It's New York or staying with the Golden State Warriors. And Charks, my my opinion has sort of evolved with him over time because of that injury. Last season, before the year, I wrote about how how can Kevin Durant become the best player in the world? And I mentioned him going to New York, going to the Knicks, and turning that franchise around, being their savior, and leading them uh, to maybe winning a finals or multiple finals, and doing it himself, or maybe with one other guy. But 
post-injury, there's some logic there for him staying with Golden State for the same reasons we were talking about in regards to Kawhi Leonard, where with Golden State, he's going to miss the next year, but then he comes back and there's no pressure. He's playing alongside Steph and Clay and maybe Draymond if he stays next summer when he's a free agent. So for KD, it's like he could ease back into it and not have to be Kevin Durant as soon as he comes back from an injury that has ruined careers. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on KD because I know you also wrote about how the Knicks made sense for him at some point during the season. Yeah, and the idea of like playing KD at point guard. I think selfishly, I would just love to see the Warriors versus these new Lakers full strength. Can you imagine? If we could yeah. see KD, Steph, and Clay versus like LeBron, Kawhi, and Davis, that would just be like, I would, I'd be so much fun. That's what I'd like to see happen. I, I think for KD, so if he's looking at the Nets versus the Warriors, it comes down to Kyrie versus Steph, right? Who would you rather play with the next five years? I mean, I don't think it's much of a question. I just, that to me is how I would look at it, how, how KD looks at it, how he feels about his injury history, how he feels about the medical staffs. I was living in the East Coast versus the West Coast. I don't know. But from a basketball perspective, it comes down to Kyrie or Steph. You know, it's interesting with that conversation. I think, yes, you'd rather play with Steph on paper, but part of it with KD is like he's stuck under Steph's shadow. It's never going to be his team in Golden State. Yeah, I, I think that might change now, though. I don't know. I think this whole offseason might change things because they didn't win, they didn't win with, uh, without him, right? They also didn't have Clay, though. I, yeah, but like, look at it this way. How many rings did Steph win with KD? Two. Mm-hmm. How many went without him? One. So, I mean, like, doesn't KD get more credit as time goes on in Golden State because he was the difference? That's logical. And, and I'm sure within the Golden State Warriors organization um, that they probably feel that way as well. That's why they're trying to go as far as they can to keeping KD. And I'm sure Steph himself probably realizes that too, um, how KD's importance to their team. I, I, Clay said it pretty you know simply but it's the truth during the finals he's like we're a very good team without Kevin Durant we are a all-time great team with Kevin Durant like that is the difference that he makes on that team there they are a near guarantee for the finals every single year with him and without him they are not uh, and that's why like if he does leave there's way more parity in the league but with that said Sharks I'm with you in terms of like it would be great to have these two Titan teams, Kawhi with the Lakers and Kevin Durant back with the Warriors, just battling each Ooh, year. Like that'd be man. Le- that'd be legendary stuff, man. Like that's I wrote about this. I I forget when. I don't know. All the years blend together, but it was after one of War- the Golden State's titles, and it's like it would be great if a team is able to assemble a super team to battle them. And I think there are fans of like other teams that have no chance of championship. Are like, no, that would not be fun. It has not been fun watching Golden State. But I do think that there are, if there's a worthy adversary for Golden State, that conversation would change. Uh, for sure, I'm be, with you 100. It would become more like Celtics Lakers in the 80s. That yeah, that's sort exactly. of what it would be like. I think the idea of like, oh, the NBA should be like the NFL and have every team have a chance to win is just crazy. That's not what the NBA is about. Like the history of the NBA is super teams, superstars going each other at the biggest stage. That's what the NBA makes the NBA special. And I don't think the NBA should go away from that. I think super teams are ultimately good for the league. I think the ratings show, you know, when you have LeBron in the finals on a good team, when you have Steph and KD, like people want, people want to watch that. And who wouldn't? I mean, like the thing with basketball, like I like watching the best players play on the best teams. Like maybe that makes me a front runner. I don't know, but <laughs> I don't really care. Like, I want to watch greatness. I love watching Golden State, and I'd love watching these L.A. Lakers teams. Oh, you, you do you, Charks. Don't, don't worry about it. I always do, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, with that said, 
the noise this entire week, maybe the past couple of weeks, has been Brooklyn for KD pairing with Kyrie Irving. Well, I mean, I guess KOC with Brooklyn. If you went, so it's like, it'd be like Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert, Tori and Prince, KD, Jared Allen. That's a pretty nasty team. A lot of young athletic guys around KD to help him as he ages. It, it would be. Do you think the Do you think Knicks are out? I mean, I don't know. It's just it, it's hard to sell that with the Achilles with a pretty you much know, an empty roster, right? I, I still can't help but feel that they're gonna be the team, and, and the reason really? why is because so much of this mirrors LeBron going to the Lakers, where the summer before LeBron signed. A bunch of people, I reported this, Jalen Rose reported this, Colin Coward reported this, Bill Simmons reported this, that LeBron was going to the Lakers. But then You wrote that before, after the yeah. finals in 2017, before yeah. even that summer. I remember that. And then, you know, but then the fall, the whole next year, it was like, well, maybe he'll stay with the Cavaliers. What can the Cavaliers do to keep him? And then it was, oh, LeBron's going to take a meeting with the Sixers. And then LeBron finally did sign with the Lakers, just like everybody expected him to. And with Kevin Durant... What has it been? It's been since last summer going to the Knicks. And then over the course of the season, it's, well, maybe he'll stay with Golden State. And then maybe it's he'll, he'll take a meeting with the Nets and maybe he'll go there. And the injury is different for KD. It, yeah, it's, that's a di- it's a different conversation. However, Rich Kleiman and Kevin Durant have followed the Lebr- LeBron James game plan every step of the way from like the TV show the boardroom being like LeBron show on HBO, him going to Golden State to chase titles like LeBron going to the Miami Heat. So much of what they've done has followed the, what the, the blueprint of what LeBron, what has been successful for LeBron in growing his name, growing his brand, and achieving success in the NBA. And for Kevin Durant, going to New York still accomplishes so many of the things that you wrote about, like I wrote about, like a lot of people feel for him that he can still become the guy there for the Knicks. And still, it's not like they're not going to bring anybody else because if he comes to New York, maybe Kyrie comes or that they are able to sign a guy either next summer or the following summer in 2021. So for KD, maybe. like there's still a lot of appeal in going there. And But it's the tough part though is, is like, it's still a team run by James Dolan and their young core is not as appealing as some of the other teams. There's no guarantee of success. And that this is where, again, where I've changed. For KD, it originally made a lot of sense for, for, for him to go there, in my opinion. But now I feel a lot less stronger about that unless it's the type of thing where it's like he's just done with Golden State if he feels like they were the reason why he ruptured his Achilles and he just can't go back. Um, but there is so much more risk because of the injury and going there uh, than there was prior to that. Yeah, and you're talking about like following the LeBron model. Well, so this would be LeBron going from Miami to Cleveland. Well, when LeBron went to Cleveland, he had Kyrie and Kevin Love already in place, essentially. If Katie goes to New York, there's nothing there. Like when I wrote my article they last do, year Frank about going to New York, <laughs> yeah, they still had KP, and I was thinking, okay, if Katie goes to New York, you could have Porzingis be as Kevin Love, and then get a point guard, and then you got then you're ready to roll. Now though, it's so up in the air. Like talking about bringing the Marcus Cousins now, like I don't know what their plan is really. There was some talk this week uh, regarding Katie as well. Uh, Brian Windhorst was the first to float this that. Golden State could always always try to do a delayed sign and trade because they can sign him for uh, the five year max with an extra fifty seven million dollars guaranteed over whatever he can get from any other team. And so the logic would be: KD can get the full contract, and then Golden State could trade him at some point either during the season or next summer to wherever he wants to go. Uh, I, I don't. I have a lot of mixed feelings. On that idea, I, I think KD would be giving up a significant amount of control. Uh, I'm curious yeah, about I mean, your they thoughts. Yeah, they could like 
they could not trade him too. He's under contract. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that, like this sort of touches on something I've had in my mind a lot, especially yesterday. A lot of people talking about why would why would AD waive his four million dollar trade bonus from the trade kicker? Uh, you know, all the conversation about how KD can earn fifty seven million dollars more with Golden State, and I think. You know, when it comes to the way we talk about decisions players might make, money money is overrated, I think. And I, we really need to recalibrate here because I've read so much about Katie earning the $57 million extra by staying with the Warriors, and that's great. But when has when have Katie's decisions ever been dictated by the money? Before playing in the NBA, True. he signed with Nike despite Adidas offering more. He stayed with Nike a couple of years ago despite Under Armour offering far more money. He signed with the Warriors despite the Thunder offering more. He took discounts with the Warriors to help them build. And now suddenly it's that he's going to give up control of his career and his future because of an extra $57 million when it's really not even that much of a difference. It's $7 million over the first four years of the deal. It's the final year, the $50 million guaranteed. That's the difference. But if he's still healthy at the time he becomes a free agent, he could earn around $50 million in that first year. And the same goes for Kawhi, who wanted to leave the Spurs, despite the fact they can offer him more money. And sure, Toronto can offer him more now, but it, it clearly doesn't matter for him. Otherwise, he would be staying in San Antonio. And players are going to do what, what's going to make them happy. And that's why with AD waving his bonus, it's... It's not a surprise to me. I, I, it's definitely not a big deal in his life. AD waving his $4 million bonus is not the same as you or I getting like a $4,000 pay cut. No, you know? no, it is not. It's not. Can, <laughs> it, it's not. Because he's already made tens of millions of dollars in his career. He's going to make hundreds oh of millions gosh. with his next contract. Now and I'm so, feeling bad, KOC. <laughs> don't bring up our money. Man. It's terrible. It's the truth, though, because for AD, it, you know, it's the type of thing where for the, you and I and the majority of people listening to this podcast, 4K means you're paying rent. It means that you're going out to eat on a Friday night with your family. You're buying new clothes for your kid. For AD, it means you're not going to get to maybe invest in that pizza company or buy more Google stock or, or buy that extra home or that extra car. That's the difference. And so when it comes to discussing the decisions these players might make and the decisions that they do make, I think it's time we realize that players are not always controlled by the money. Yeah, I'm with you, KOC. Um, KD makes so much money off the court anyways. Same with LeBron. Yep. If you're in that level of the game, like you're making so much money from shoes and your general brand and your image and whatever. People are giving you money for whatever reason you want, right? Like KD's a venture capitalist now. Like he doesn't need <laughs> money, really. It's the, the money comes into play more for those mid-level guys. They need they're the ones who are trying to get the bag. Like your Evan Turner's of the world. He's gonna make decisions based on money. Oh, yeah. But yeah. A, K, a KD level, it's totally different. Absolutely. And same for somebody like Kyrie Irving. And the discussion now with him is maybe he'll consider the Lakers. They're certainly gonna chase him. Um and God, but, there's so many dominoes. It's so much so much fun to think about all yeah, this stuff. It's it, crazy. It really is. And and for Brooklyn, it's interesting because there was a report recently which I semi-believe um, that they may sour on Kyrie if he doesn't come with KD and they may opt to instead keep D'Angelo Russell. Like you said, Chuck, there are a lot of dominoes here depending on what one guy chooses. Um, and for if KD went to the Knicks, I think Kyrie would probably also join him. Um, you think so? I, I, would, I would assume so. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless like he's dead set on Brooklyn anyway. Um, but it's, it's funny with Brooklyn... In regards to Kyrie, like he left Cleveland, you know, when he could have earned more, and then he could leave Boston when he could earn more if he goes to Brooklyn or New York or LA for that matter. Um, but for the Nets, there's been this this discussion recently, Charks, like Kyrie or D'Angelo Russell. 
where where do you fall on that? Because um, I I think it's probably an easy easy answer here. I mean, I guess it's hard. First off, it's hard for me to differentiate because it does feel like Kyrie is coming with someone else. That's why you want him in the first place. But if I'm looking, if I'm stacking up Kyrie and D'Angelo Russell for a four year max contract, D'Angelo's younger, he's healthier, he's bigger. I feel like the odds of him staying productive over that contract are probably in D'Angelo's favor. He's a young point guard. Point guards take a long time to get better, to grow into their position in the league. I think he's got a lot of him to get better as a player. I'm not sure he'll ever be as good as Kyrie was at his peak, but I'm not sure Kyrie will be that good anymore either. He's, he's getting up there in years now. He's been banged up a lot. And there's the whole Instagram account and all that stuff on top of it, which I didn't get into. <laughs> but, but what did Kyrie say? Like, read is bad or something, whatever he was saying recently. Wait, so what, I did think you, I wait go, what did he say? I had something about like, don't worry about greed, 11, 11. Uh, You'll have that big desktop thing. About oh, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, he's um, had some interesting Instagram posts recently. Uh, I, I guess yeah. I would say like, I would probably- Age, age of no the, more secrets. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm giving out money, I'd probably feel safe with D'Angelo, honestly. Interesting. Interesting. Because for me, it's like Kyrie or D'Lo in regards to the player today, Kyrie is far superior. Um, he's just a better overall scorer. Uh, it's like not even close, in my opinion, in terms of their scoring ability. So much of what um, drove D'Angelo's breakout season was his success from mid-range. He shot around 47% on floaters and pull-ups from mid-range and you know, that's good. I'm not sure how sustainable it is for him. Uh, but with that said, like you said, Charles, D'Angelo is significantly younger than Kyrie, and he's not not has not suffered the major injuries that Kyrie has as well. Kyrie, all of last season, has struggled with knee issues over the course of the year. He, of course, in the NBA Finals a couple years back, had the broken kneecap. Yeah, I mean, right, that's two out of the last four playoffs he missed completely mm-hmm. with injuries. Exactly. And so for Kyrie Irving, it's a type of deal here where you know, when it comes to signing players, I think it's so easy, you know, for us as fans and you know and media members to to think about p- past production. But for a team, you're never paying for past production; you're paying for future projected production. And with Kyrie Irving, there's certainly some logic to instead opting for D'Angelo Russell here, which is why I think if I'm Brooklyn, maybe you do decide to keep D'Angelo Russell unless Kyrie's bring somebody else. Um, but that raises the fascinating scenario here where let's say KD stays with Golden State, which I don't think he will. Let's say Kawhi goes to the Lakers and let's say Brooklyn's like, you know what? We're going to keep D'Angelo Russell. Does that mean Kyrie has to go to the Knicks by default by himself? Wow. Which seems, a, seems like a disaster waiting to happen. I think Kyrie's got to work these phones, right? Either he's going to be with LeBron or KD, one or the other. I think, you know, he's got to... He's got to work the phones, basically. <laughs> so that doesn't happen. Is there any logic to Brooklyn just signing Kyrie anyway? Just I mean, sure. Go? I think the idea is like you're signing him thinking he'll get someone else next summer or he'll be an, he'll be an uh, attractive like, I don't know. candidate. I don't know. Or you could sign Kyrie, match D'Angelo, and trade him for an asset. But the, the chemistry stuff would be tough with that. That, that might be the game plan there. Um, but with Kyrie Irving, uh, it's the type of deal where he had issues in Boston. He had issues in Cleveland with teammates. Um, if you're Brooklyn, you have a really good thing going right now. Uh, it would be hard to say no to a superstar, but sometimes that's the best thing that you can do is saying no. And with Kyrie, to me, so much of it depends on if he's bringing somebody else. If he brings KD, it's obviously a no-brainer. Um, 
But if it's like Kyrie and Jimmy Butler, I don't know. You might be a better off punting cap space, but you can't punt for too long because it's nice yeah, to have assets. Yeah, you pay all your young guys. Yep, it's nice. a short window for that. Exactly, it's nice to have assets. It's nice to have nice to have flexibility. But soon enough, Karis LeVert comes up. Soon enough, Jared Allen comes up. Where you got to pay those guys, and that flexibility is gone. And suddenly, those assets that you could theoretically use in trades, their value is gone as well because they're already signed. They're not on their rookie deal, and so for them, that. That's going to raise the interesting question for Boston. Suddenly, speaking uh, of yeah, Boston, right? Suddenly, they, they become a team that can create maximum cap space because Horford sounds like he may walk. Uh, Kyrie Irving is long gone at this point now. Uh, Grant Williams, uh, uh, apparently, who they drafted with the with a pick in the twenties, apparently said to Cedric Maxwell, former Celtics player and uh, Celtics broadcaster, that the number eleven was available, which is Kyrie Irving's <laughs> number. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Grant. Uh, yeah, 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 th- yeah. Thank you, thank you for filling us in. Um, so it sounds like Kyrie's gone. Sounds like Horford could be gone as well. And the latest guy that they may be chasing, and multiple people have reported this, is that. Kemba Walker could be heading to the Boston Celtics on a four-year max deal after the Hornets lowballed him, according to Stephen A., with a five-year, $160 million contract offer. It seems like Kemba's actually leaving. Uh, Charks, you wrote, though, earlier this week, before that rumor came out, that you would prefer them to chase a center such as Nikola Vucevic over Kemba Walker. So are you not the biggest fan of this potential move for them? That's a couple of things. First off, this whole jersey thing. Do you remember when Oklahoma City gave Katie's jersey to PJ Dozier? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was classic. Yeah, that was legendary okay. stuff. It- so, anyways, um, <laughs> as far as the Kemba Vucevic so petty, thing goes, it really. It, it really was. So, like with Kemba and Vucevic, my, my thought process was I thought that Horford was the more important piece for Boston than Kyrie. And I was thinking, you've really got to replace Horford. And it was two levels to it. I think replacing Horford allows you to maximize Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. My biggest concern with the signing Kemba is so now it's Kemba, Gordon, Tatum, Brown. I wonder if the chemistry stuff comes back because Jason and Jalen aren't getting their shots. And now you have no center really at all. Like, how do you how do you fill the five spot if you sign Kemba and use all your cap space? Yeah, that's an interesting point about chemistry because I think Kyrie is getting all the blame, but he doesn't deserve all the blame. This is no, I don't think so either. This is multiple guys. This is Terry Rozier wanting a bigger role. This is Jalen Brown wanting a bigger role. Brad Stevens said to Jackie McMullen in a, in a piece that she posted today on ESPN that if anybody deserves the blame, it's him. And you know, I don't think anybody deserves the blame. I don't think it's Brad. I don't think it's. All, I don't think anybody deserves all the blame, I should say. It's evenly distributed. Um, it was just a bad mix. It just didn't work out. It seems like it should have on paper. It just didn't. Um, and for Kemba, some of those issues could potentially come up. But I will say this, though, Charks. Kemba in Charlotte has been such a ball-dominant force. However, I do think over the years with those teams, he has shown a greater willingness to operate off-ball. He's, he's a better off-ball shooter. And like someone's threw numbers at me about how Kyrie ranks in like the 94th percentile and off-screen shooting and Kemba's like 75 and it doesn't matter. Like just watch the film. Kemba, yeah, well, it's, it's Ke- interest level too, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. It's being willing to do it. And it's ability. Kemba is far superior at those tough shots coming off screens, balancing your feet midair, which is why Isaiah Thomas was so potent 
in those scenarios. That's why they ran so many off-ball screens for Isaiah Thomas. And that's something they had to go away from with Kyrie Irving. They had to run more on ball with him because it just wasn't something he's elite at. He's more of a basic off-screen shooter, and that's fine. He was very He's very good at spotting up. But with Kemba, I think Boston can go into a bit more of their motion offense with more off-ball action for Kemba than they could with Kyrie. And maybe there's still issues. Maybe Jalen's still like, I need more shots. Maybe that happens. But I do think that it would allow them to be a bit more in their flowed offense that they prefer than they were able to with Kyrie. And Kyrie's a better overall player. He's a better on-ball scorer. He's better shooting off the dribble from three than Kemba is. But Kemba has closed the gap quite a bit over the past two years, and he's never played with anybody as good as what he could in Boston with what Tatum could be, with what Brown could be. Like Nick Batum is the best player he's ever played with, or Al Jefferson, which is sad. Is Gordon Hayward Nick Batum now? Is that? Is that oh God! Is? Oh boy! Mm. Uh, at least he can pass the ball. <laughs> Batum could pass. Yeah, I mean, passer. Hayward's a good passer. You know. See, uh, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. thinking. Is like, if you went with the center, you could let Hayward be a passer and play Brown and Tatum on the wings. Mm. So now, if you sign Kemba, are you going to start Hayward, Tatum, Brown on all three of them? I don't know. Or do you play uh, Hayward I, as a six? I'm not sure. I, I think for Boston, like your point about what do you do at center is, is fine, but I also think there's some discount options that you could chase. They could go for, after Robin Lopez, um, with the exception that they have around four point six million dollars. They could go for somebody like a Dwayne Deadman. They could go for somebody in the trade market that pops up mid season. Okay, uh, so you had an interesting trade idea on Slack. You want to tell the people about it? I was interested in that one. This idea was from a friend, and I don't want to say I don't want to say who. Um, but one of my friends. Okay, texted he has me. a lot of friends. No, so no, it's no. To... It's nobody in the league. I'm just not sure if they want me to mention their name. But um, he texted me the other day, like, "How about Jalen Brown for Demontis Sabonis with the Indiana Pacers?" That for for both teams, it would make sense. Uh, Indiana Indiana has Miles Turner signed up long term. They just drafted Goga Patazzi, a young teenage center who might may be ready to play as a rookie. So you have three bigs um, that obviously can't play together at the same time. Maybe you trade one of them for a wing who's on the rise, who can defend multiple positions, who can shoot off ball like Jalen Brown. Maybe it makes sense for them to do that. And for Boston, Sabonis is somebody who is a good rebounder. He's a facilitator. Even he though, fits Stevens' offense for sure with bingo. his skill level. He can space the floor to three, even though Indiana didn't have him do it. He can just have him step out from those 20-foot, two-point pick-and-pop jumpers and have him shoot threes instead. And Sabonis got better, a lot better defensively. Uh, so Sabonis could come in right away and be an important player on both ends of the floor for Boston. Um, but with that said... I feel like if I'm Boston, I'd want a bit more there because of the pre- the premium, and you wrote about this a bunch, Charks, the premium and the importance that's on wings and versatility rather than the more traditional big man yeah, and Sabonis. Wing defense, for sure, because Jalen's wing defense is way above Tatum and Hayward, obviously. Yeah. That'd be, a real, that'd be a tough thing to replace. My thing with Jalen, do you think Boston would max him out next summer? Like, will he give him a max extension? <sighs> no. Uh, no. And I think that's— He's not going to be happy no. then. That's right there. And, and that's one of the reasons why I think it makes some sense. Because, yeah, like he's, because you're he not going to want to pay him. Which, you know, I don't blame him. Right? And, and I mean, unless you're Boston and you trade, you know, Gordon Hayward, who would then be on a, um, an expiring contract 
So Gordon Hayward has a player option for the 2020-21 season um, for $34 million. So Hayward would suddenly become an expiring contract, and maybe you do sign Jalen Brown, and then you flip Hayward somewhere else. So, See, that's what I would do. I'd rather have Jalen and Jason together for the next 10 years. That, to me, is like the best way forward for them, is having two great, one offense wing, one defense wing. Like yeah. I would want to break those two up. Yeah, uh, and, and that's where with Kemba, you know, there's part of me that wonders is, you know the league is the league is likely going to be wide open unless unless Kawhi goes to the Lakers. The league is wide open. The title is up for grabs. Like you you go all in on one year, you could win the whole whole thing this year. Um, so Boston going for Kemba and whatever else they try to do or add using their assets, which they all still retain. Boston is still in a good position. Um, Boston could be a team that's in title contention, depending on what else were to happen after Kemba Walker. But with that said, I can't help but feel there's. A sense of desperation in here. Like after losing Kyrie and Al Horford, do you sign Kemba Walker, who is 29 years old, who has had major knee issues, multiple knee surgeries over his career? He's not missed many games that has not impacted him on the court yet, but he has had the knee issues in the past. And he's a guy so reliant on his athleticism and his speed that there's some concern with how that deal would look long term. And like you said, Sharks, there would still be the, the issue of like, where do you find a, a pr- appropriate center? Boston was a team that had an endless amount of centers just a couple years ago. And now after lo- potentially losing Horford, after trading Baines, like Daniel Tice is their, <laughs> is their number one guy who's also a free agent. Maybe um, it's Grant Williams. Maybe it's Scroll Grant Williams. Five. Yeah, th- and that could work. Like maybe that would be part of the Boston be part of Boston's plan to just have like a cheap minimum center and then just go small a lot in the postseason with Grant Williams and Shemi Ojale and just try to survive. Um, that oh could my be guy Shemi, I forgot about him. He'll get minutes next yeah, year. That could That'll be the be plan. Um, but but it would be interesting. Like it, maybe Boston would be better off playing the slow um, with their assets, with their young players, rather than signing Kemba. Um, I don't. I, I think they should sign Kemba for what it's worth. But that's just me playing devil's advocate with myself. Yeah, I guess speaking of title contention and going for it right now, we got to talk Philly. Philly is the other, like, there's so many things they could do this offseason. We haven't even talked about them yet. No, yeah, Philadelphia as well with both Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler in free agency this year. Uh, it's it's so funny <laughs> with Daryl Morey and the Rockets charts. All this stuff out there about Daryl going publicly saying, I feel confident that we're going to be able to, to lure one of the star players. They did the same thing a couple years back. Can't say it outright, but there's the reports about how they're going to make strong offers for LeBron James. It's the same thing now with Jimmy Butler. And there's multiple reports this week about how they would try to package uh, Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker and Clint Capella to the Philadelphia 76ers for Jimmy Butler in 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 a sign and trade. Then there's the report about that how maybe they would flip one of those guys or all of those guys for draft picks to then instead open up the cap space to absorb Jimmy Butler in a in a sign and trade package. So it's like for Houston, are you buying the the hype that they could actually get Jimmy Butler? And also, if they were to get Jimmy Butler, what what's your sense of how those three would fit together? A team that already had issues with Chris Paul and James Harden sharing the ball, adding another guy who also wants the ball in his hands. It seems like there's a lot of potential issues that could arise. I kind of like it, though, because I really like I did a piece on Houston after they lost, and I feel like the missing piece they've always needed is a front court player with size who can create his own shot and pass the ball. Like they've always had very limited front courts around Harden with like, you know, Clint Capella, PJ Tucker, Ryan Anderson, late stage Dwight Howard. None of those guys are very skilled. And I really do think Jimmy, in terms of pure basketball, Jimmy, I think, is the missing piece. 
as far as the chemistry stuff goes, I don't know. I kind of would like it to be like, if they get Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul knows he's just the third wheel. Like, it's done. <laughs> like, just live with it, bro. It's over for you. <laughs> I think that could be helpful because it could be very clarifying, right? Like, you're done, bro. Start up. We're done with you. I think that would make sense. I don't know. I don't know what Jimmy and wants. Just though, right? D what up is, Chris Paul and stand in the corner and shoot spot up threes. Like, That's you're done, all, bro. <laughs> like, what, is, what does Jimmy want, though, is the question. I don't have no idea. Like, who does he want to play with? Does he want to play with Kawhi? He has a lot of options. He is kind of like the hidden domino in all of this. Does he play with Kawhi in LA? Does he want to play with James Harden? Does he want to play with uh, Ben and Joel? Does he want the bag, right? Because the most money is Philly. And that's what he's always... like. He's a guy who really wants to secure that money because it ain't going to be there for him forever. By the way, you know that package for Philadelphia, let's, let's say that that's the case. Let's say Jimmy Butler wants to go to Houston and... Philadelphia, you're in a position now. Do you just say, you know what? We don't want Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, and Clint Capella. The, the, the fit would be imperfect with those guys, but it also sort of makes some sense. Like, why wouldn't you want PJ Tucker, a guy who can play small five when it beads off the floor, a guy who can space the floor and, and is unselfish in playing his role? Why wouldn't you want Eric Gordon, a guy who, again, also a player who has shown a willingness to play off ball, can shoot off screens, can occasionally pop uh, and have 30-plus point games. Why would you not want Clint Capella when the backup center position for you has long been an issue? Like, yes, it's not a perfect fit with Joel Embiid, but you can also go with jumbo lineups and just see what happens and see how it works. To me, if I'm Philly... I might rather have those three guys really? over Jimmy Butler. I might. You think so? I might. I, I, I feel might. like they gave they gave Jimmy the ball in that Toronto series. They made it. They let him run the team himself in those last few games, and they are this close to beating Toronto with Butler on the ball. I feel like that move. To me, it seemed like when, when they did that move, when they made Jimmy the point guard against Toronto, that was saying this is Jimmy's team. Simmons is being minimized. It's Jimmy and Joel's team now. It, so yeah. I kind of feel like they want Jimmy to have the ball, and that's. That like touches on the other issue here. We talk about chemistry with Houston, but also chemistry with Philadelphia. Yeah, that I, thing is looming real bad. Yeah. Freaking Mount Vesuvius over there. Yep. I, I wrote about this during the season about how they have to start running more pick and roll with Jimmy Butler as a ball handler. And they sort of did over the course of the season, Not, but it wasn't until the playoffs, as you said, where they really just said, Jimmy, you're the guy. Yeah, they totally the slow played that. They're like, oh, Ben, it's your team. Ben, we'll give him all the <laughs> offense. And then the playoffs, like, nah, bro, get in the corner. <laughs> but... Ben Simmons did say to Zach Lowe, I know my role. It's being Ben Simmons, somebody who can attack downhill, get to the rim, defensively make plays, get my teammates involved. So for Ben Simmons, who theoretically can thrive in that center role, rolling to the rim, finishing with, with power like Blake Griffin, who can pass off the role like Draymond Green, a guy who can score with finesse, a guy who can score with power and playmake for others. He's like, no, that's not my role. I want to be the guy who's handling the ball. And that, to me, is disappointing because of how much he could be a star within his role playing alongside other ball handlers like Jimmy Butler. Um, but if he's already shown a little bit of unhappiness in that role, and I've heard some other stuff um, from people around the league that he was indeed a bit put off by Butler handling a ball as much as he had. Not necessarily I mean, in the yeah, postseason. Obvious. Yeah, of course, of course he, he would, would be. be put off. Yeah, exactly. Like He is a player who is already a star. Ben Simmons is 22 years old and he shoots with the wrong hand and he's already a star. Love it. <laughs> but so it's like, of course, you want to have the ball in your hands and not be like, a, a version of Draymond Green out there on the offensive end of the floor. For Bennett, it's understandable. 
That's what I'm thinking. You're signing Jimmy and trading Ben for parts next year, as opposed to keeping Ben and trading Jimmy mm, for parts. So I you're, feel like that makes ooh, more sense. So you're saying you would keep Jimmy Butler and then explore the trade market for Ben Simmons, who would yeah. absolutely be one of the most sought-after assets in the league, considering totally. how young he is, considering how good he already is. Because I think for me, like, you can't keep Ben and Joel long-term, and Joel's your guy, so you got to go with Jimmy off Joel. I think that should be the plan. I don't know what they're really going to do. I think that makes a better team long-term. Jimmy, Jimmy, Joel, and pieces, as opposed to Ben, Joel, and but, pieces. But how about the fact that Jimmy Butler will be 30 years old this coming season? The fact that he also has had some injury issues in the past, a lot of nagging lower body issues, um, has not had a major, major injury yet. I mean, that's fair. But, but if, if Joel's your guy, you're living in the moment anyways, right? Like, yeah. if Joel's your guy, you're not thinking about 10 years from now. Well, you know? and that's that's where, to me, Ben Simmons to me is uh, Joel Embiid insurance. He's your superstar insurance where if Embiid, and boy, I hope this never happens, but if Embiid suddenly declines because of another major injury, at least you can then build around Ben Simmons long-term as the face of your franchise. Um, But here's the thing though, KOC, like Ben Simmons don't want to be insurance. He don't want to be just in case. I know, I know. That's why I love basketball. It's so much fun. It's like the the psychology of the whole thing is so fascinating. I know. It's um and and this will also this leads us nicely to what you wrote about today in regards to building around superstars. You wrote about what's the best way for the Dallas Mavericks to build around Luka Doncic. They of course acquired Kristaps Porzingis in a surprising blockbuster trade during the season. Uh, There has been recent conversation about whether they could chase Al Horford. They could chase Kemba Walker. But your point is, no. No. Who should they go after, Sharks? My guy, Malcolm Brogdon. Ooh, Malcolm Brogdon. Open up the bank. Whatever it takes, I want Brogdon in Dallas. That is like the perfect fit. I think, because I look at it with, with Luka and KP. So what was crazy to me, I was looking at their usage rates. So Luka last year had the highest usage rate of all time for any rookie, which is Wow. Young. Yeah. And then the year before, KP in New York was at 31. When that, the year after Melo left, he was the guy. So I don't really think Luke and KP want another ball-dominant guy to come to Dallas, right? Like, I don't think Kemba's coming to Dallas, but if Kemba did come to Dallas, that means Luka's the number two, and KP is now Kevin Love. I don't think they want to do that. I think it'd be a very tough balance to have. To me, if I'm the Mavs, I want to find a guy who can play off the ball, who can defend multiple positions, and who can create plays, who can make, be a secondary playmaker. To me, that is Malcolm Brogdon. Like, he's already been that in Milwaukee. He's already been the third option behind Middleton and Giannis. And he comes to Dallas. He instantly becomes their best three-point shooter, their best defender, probably their leader in the locker room, their culture guy. And he, not only that, like Brogdon is 26, 27. So he's older than KP and Luca, a little more mature. He's probably he's, not he's going the to the club with them. <laughs> right? He's not going to the club with them. He's like, guys, who work out. Let's, you know, chaw on the clubbing. But he's not so <laughs> old where that in three years, as they're in their prime, he's already like, Al Horford is 36. He's still ready to go. To me, Brogdon is the guy for Dallas. I love him. My low-key take KOC, like Malcolm Brogdon is going to swing the balance of power in the league this year. If he leaves, <laughs> if he leaves Milwaukee, yeah. I think Giannis leaves ultimately. That's my that's what I'm saying. You know, it's it's I'm glad you brought that up because Milwaukee this summer, like we we have not mentioned their name this entire podcast, which is disappointing because we're almost out of time. Um, but with Milwaukee, like 
This is a pivotal summer in the decisions that they make, where Brooke Lopez could be a guy that they have to overpay for. Malcolm Brogdon is somebody that they could potentially have to match a, a offer sheet in the $20 million plus range for him. And Brogdon is like a really good player, and he is critical to what they do. But if you're paying that much, you're pretty much locked into that roster for the next year and a year, two years until Giannis becomes a free agent in 2021. So for them, like I'd be super nervous about a team like the Mavericks or a team like the Bulls or a team mm. like the Suns going after Malcolm Brogdon because of how good he is in a off-ball complementary role as a guy who can also still do some things on the ball for you. He can still run point when you need him to, but he's not your primary guy. Um, and for Dallas, it's the type of thing where with Al Horford being 33 years old, having some of the knee issues that he's had, showing a bit of signs of decline, um, and with Kemba Walker at 29 years old with the knee issue, knee surgeries that he's had in the past, for me, like Brogdon also was an injury concern. Uh, I reported about a year and a half ago that he was red flagged by multiple teams prior to the draft because of uh, the surgery he had to fuse a bone in his left foot while he was in college. I had I had somebody describe it to me as like that foot is a time ticking bomb. What was uh, his injury in the playoffs this year? I forgot now. The injury was uh, he had a minor plantar fascia tear Ooh. in his right foot. Um, so when that first happened, I was like, which foot was it that he had in college? It was the left foot. So it was the left foot that I heard is a concern for some teams moving forward. However, you know that that's also a thought in your mind with Kemba, who's soon going to be thirty. It's a thought with Al Horford, who's also in his mid thirties. Too Kemba and Horford are undersized for their positions. So the injury risk is higher, I think. With and Dallas, working on their athletic ability. With Dallas, Dallas Charks, like let's say they get Brogdon for $20 million. Um, they can still have the ability to create max cap space in 20, 2021, correct? Am I wrong about that? Yes. Or they can? Yes, they can. They can? Okay, so they could enter that summer still with the ability to add another max guy around Chris Stapps, Brogdon, and Luca. Well, if they max out Brogdon, they gave Brogdon a huge contract, possibly not. If they did not, if they punted this, the offseason this year, I think. So I just went into shamsports.com's uh, nice little nifty tool called the Cap- Shout out Mark Deeks. Yes, shout out to Mark Deeks. It's called the Capulator. And in this app here, I did determine that if you give Malcolm Brogdon $25 million in the first year starting salary this year, um, they could enter the 2021 summer with just Brogdon, Doncic, Porzingis on their cap Oof. and have the ability to create with a projected salary cap of $121 million of $43 million in cap space. So they could enter that summer where Giannis Antetokounmpo and a bunch of other guys like Bradley Beal and Rudy Gobert are all out there with the ability to create max cap space and still have a little bit of wiggle room. So for Dallas, signing Brogdon does not sacrifice your future flexibility. It merely... Here we go. It, it, it works. You're preaching in my ears, Chaos. It works. My ears. It works. Um, it would be a lot more difficult, however, to do that if you're signing Kemba to a max now or Al Horford to a max now. Yeah, he's younger. Yep. Yeah. But with Brogdon, hmm. I think the interesting. thing for me with Brogdon and Milwaukee, I think the big mistake was paying Bledsoe. Like, to me, you cannot pay Bledsoe and not pay Brogdon. Bledsoe was worse than George Hill in the playoffs. Like, George Hill was closing games for them. So giving Bledsoe money over giving Brogdon would be a, just a crime to me. And they already gave Bledsoe the money. I think that was the mistake. I think that could really, really hurt them. And for and for Milwaukee, let's touch on them. We we have, we have a couple more minutes here. Um, 
all their free agents are either old or have an injury history. Like with George Hill, if he gets waived, he has had an injury. He's older. Uh, Chris Middleton has had injury history. Brogdon, I mentioned, has as well. And then Brooke Lopez is both. He's old and he's had injury history. And they already signed Eric Bledsoe, who stunk in the playoffs. So for them, it's it's going to be interesting for the Bucks because if they lose all those guys, which would be, which would be bad, <laughs> they could have $34 million in cap space to use yeah, elsewhere. Who's going to Milwaukee? I, I don't know. I don't think that is an option. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but this is a summer where they're probably going to have to pay Brooke Lopez a ton of money. They're going to have to pay Chris Middleton the max. Um, they're going to be a team that, moving forward with this current core, it may not be enough around Giannis. It just may not, especially depending on what else happens in the East. Yeah, I don't think they have much of a choice. Though. I think they're already too far along. Like they won 60 games and took Toronto to six with this team. And I think they didn't really get the most out of Brogdon in that series. To me, like the team is Giannis, Middleton, Brogdon. Those are my three guys. That's my squad I'm rolling with going forward. But I'm not sure they see it the same way. One last note. Uh, I just We just looked in the Slack here, Charks, and you alerted me. <laughs> Jared Weiss of The Athletic reported um, a funny story about Kyrie Irving. We'll just leave on this note. Uh, Jared wrote, um, there was a clear conflict in leadership with the Celtics last season, particularly with Kyrie Irving, um, who was not meshing with the team and the coaching staff, and it showed on and off the court. And then Jared wrote, there's one telling instance where an Irving boarded a hotel elevator that was empty, except for one of the assistant coaches. <laughs> Irving kept on his head headphones and ignored the coach the entire elevator ride after seeing who it was. According to sources, while it's just a small example, it reflects the unfortunate dilemma that some players only truly respect coaches with a resume to match theirs. So Man, they are emptying the notebook on yeah, Kyrie. Like <laughs> Golly, <laughs> the, the, anything the, they can find, they're going to throw the at him now. The smear campaign has begun, and there may be more smear campaigns to come over the weekend if other guys <laughs> leave their teams that they're currently with. Charks, I'm excited. It's going to be a great weekend. I'm. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be great. I feel like there could be some good KD Golden State shade, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's no going to be fun, though. I can't wait for this weekend. I can't wait for Monday. This is finally happening, KOC. Free agency is here. Let's <laughs> We're do here, this. man. I think the only player who's not going to get any shade is Kawhi Leonard. That's yeah, the he only won a guy. Championship. Yeah. That's the only guy. Unless the Spurs start leaking stuff out from his time in San Antonio. It is fun to talk to Spurs people and Spurs fans about Kawhi now. They're so conflicted. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like Shea Serrano. En- enjoying LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. How are you enjoying hey. that, Shea? <laughs> On that note, wow, that was cold. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Charks. On that note, free agency, and I'll see you in Las Vegas, buddy. Yes, Summer League coming up soon. Thanks, Charks. All right, y'all. And thank you for listening to The Ringer NBA Show. Please give us five stars on iTunes. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Share the link with your friends. That would mean the world. Special shout out to Bobby Wagner for producing today's show. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy free agency. 